Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. Hey guys. So today my guest is Marie Sotello. She's a former government lawyer turned freelance writer. After leaving the law, she leveraged that legal experience to become a ghostwriter for entrepreneurs and chief executives in law, compliance, and risk management. Uh, one thing I love about Maria is she you know, really talks a lot in this episode about her belief that money is a means to an end and that lifestyle freedom is really what she is working towards. And that really, that's available to all of us. Um, and she actually now helps other freelancers think through this process and making you know moves in their business and teaches people how to launch uh, writing as a side hustle. Um, I think you'll enjoy this. I really, in particular, love the, the conversation we have towards the end about how you structure your business to really promote your own priorities, that there's no right or wrong way that you can have a small business or build a big business, but it's really all about what is it that that you want at the end of the day? Um, where do you want to live? How many hours a week do you want to work? Um, where do you want to spend your time? Um, and we have a really interesting conversation around that, which I think uh, you'll enjoy. So on to the episode. Marie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Megan. Yeah, absolutely. So I like to ask everyone when we start, what took you to law school in the first place? Oh, what took me to law school in the first place? Um, I, you know, I, I was ready to do the next thing um, and felt like I wanted to continue my education. And by default, everybody, you know, everybody I had talked to was like, oh, you can do anything with a law degree. And if you want to keep learning, like it gives you the foundation to keep learning for the rest of your life. So um, I think, you know, that was it. I, I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to keep learning and um, set myself up for the future. But I yeah. say that like, I didn't really understand what the practice of law involved, nor was that my primary goal um, at the time. Right. It just sort of seemed like the, the next educational step. Right. Exactly. And, and I, <laughs> I feel like a lot of that, us feel like that. It's like, it's just like an extension of college in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I tell people too, I actually majored in human biology and I love science and biology. And I think if I had gotten over my fear of blood and guts, I probably could have been a very fulfilled doctor. But um, yeah, I didn't like blood and guts and fainted at the sight of blood. And so I, you know, that's basically why I went to law school instead of med school. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> so did you go straight from undergrad to law school? No, I actually had kind of a, a wacky little interlude. Um, my dad had 
that had a chronic illness for some time and we had a family business and he passed away just before I graduated from college. Mm-hmm. So I ended up um, taking over our family business. I moved back home um, and lived with my mom and my little brother and took over the family business um, and did that for about a year and a half and then um, ended up getting recruited to another position um, and you know, worked worked a, a job that I had never really looked for or anticipated doing for a couple of years. Um, and that was, you know, it was during that period that I, I thought I really want to go back to school and I need to start making plans. To yeah. That. Yeah. So what was your experience of law school? Um, it was not what I expected at all. Um, it, I guess I was looking forward to kind of a, a the collegial community experience and instead it was a rather cutthroat and um I don't know I just I never it was not fun I I don't know I guess some people maybe have fun during law school but I sure didn't yeah (laughs) I actually talked to a fair number of people who enjoyed law school hey hey practice but like law school well that's interesting but there are definitely people in your category as well yeah I don't know I uh I think it was exactly the opposite for me. Like I found law school to be really um, tedious. And I think I I went into it with an expectation that, you know, I had already accomplished so much educationally and both in life that I'm like, ah, law school, that's going to be a piece of cake. And it wasn't, it it was a lot of work. Um, And yeah, I just, I, yeah, I didn't enjoy it that much. I, I think towards the end, I felt like I got, I got down, like what law school was about and felt good about that. But it, I really say that um, I enjoyed practice a lot more than the experience of law school. Interesting. So it didn't turn you off from sort of continuing. You, you, you know, that wasn't the moment where you're like, law isn't for me or just like law school wasn't for me. Maybe law people weren't for me. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that one. <laughs> or some of them. I think they're, I I think they're we're cut the people listening to this podcast, you guys are all are great law people. <laughs> yeah. But you know who we're talking about. Well, we have to admit, we're, we're all cut from different cloths, and that's not a judgment call yeah. or yeah. that. Yeah. It's just that, like, you know, different things drive different people. And I was definitely driven by something different than I think others were. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't remember what our original training oh, thought no, was. No, that here. was it. So what did you decide to do after you graduated? What was your sort of career path? Right, right. Like, so I think like a lot of people that go to law school but don't really go to law school to practice law or they don't know what they're, they're going to do with it. I think you just find yourself at the end and you know, you've done some internships um, or had some, some work experiences and then you find yourself with a lot of school loans and bills to pay mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's time to get a job and um you know one of the reasons that that i wanted to come here as, as a guest with you and um and, and that i make myself available to other attorneys who are looking into uh, a writing career so alternative careers that i felt like there wasn't a lot of resources out there at the time that i was getting ready to graduate um, yeah. to help me figure out what i could do besides practice law um i mean people tell you that there are all these other great things you can do, but what are the practical steps to get from A to B to C to do that? Right. Um, so I think just by default, um, I, I got a law job and I'd actually interned my 
at the end of my two year um, with uh, Customs and Border Protection and stayed on with them in an internship capacity throughout my three year. And as I was graduating, they were hiring um, a ton of people and brought me on board. So I basically just kind of walked into a great opportunity um, after I graduated. Well, that's interesting. I mean, that's not, you know, your standard post-law school job. Um, yeah. Was it, was it something you were particularly interested in or it was just kind of the thing that was there and you did? Um, honestly, <laughs> I, I, had, I, you know, I interviewed for all these different internships and um, that one came through for me. And um, like I said, they, they yeah. we went through the, the formal, they had to post the job and interview people and stuff but right. they government jobs. what I was <laughs> capable of doing and right. um you know it seemed to be a good fit um um yeah I just kind of walked in, in into that it in all honesty um I had always had a an interest in environmental law and had um done some focused work in that area in my undergrad um education and so I, I was really hoping to work environmental law maybe for a nonprofit. Um, or, yeah, yeah, kind of ad advocacy group there, or or for the government, but um, those jobs just didn't come to fruition for me. I know, and, yeah. I know. I feel like that in particular that that's one of those specialties that I think a lot of people think they're going to get into, and then they don't, or they kind of do, but then they realize that they're actually just like defending the bad guys right. yeah. <laughs> it was not exactly what what that had been motivating them in the first place but yeah so so how long were you with the uh, customs and border protection office then um yeah i worked with them for almost 10 years yeah that's a long time yeah it was a long time um did it feel like a long time <laughs> it, it did you know yeah. it's it was an interesting experience. I, you know, I have no regrets. Um, I, there was a lot about it that I enjoyed. I worked with, with some really great people. Um, and I learned a lot about myself along the way. Um, but I think at the end of the day, working for the government, I mean, it has its goods and bads. Um, right. You know, I, for some people, like working for government is like the holy grail. And certainly there were a lot of awesome things. I mean, I worked very predictable hours that, you know, yeah. were very reasonable and allowed for quality of life, um, generous salary and benefits, all kinds of training opportunities. I was able to travel um, all over the country and, and got to do a lot of really cool things. Mm -hmm. But I think at the end of the day, just the way government work is set up is just um, foundationally different from how I like to operate. I'm always looking for new ways to do things and efficient, new efficiencies and um, how to do stuff more effectively. And <clears throat> the government is set up in a way that actually- We do it how we do it. <laughs> penalizes you yeah. for thinking out of the box. Um, and in fact, my I tell this story after my first year, I sat down in my performance review with my boss and she said, you know, you actually may be better suited to solo practice <laughs> because I just, I couldn't like, I didn't play well with others. And I learned how to over time, which was a great lesson. Yeah. And I learned how to live within the system, but it got really frustrating. Yeah. 
I, you know, I think, I think that's so interesting because I, I had a little bit of that experience in the university because it's kind of like government in that way. But when mm-hmm. I started to think about what else I would do on my list of, of things that I considered was the foreign service. But oh, yeah. because I was, I, I just, but there's so much of that made sense for me. But I came to realize that I was a little bit like you, like just putting myself in another cage just wasn't the right idea for me, even though the substance of it sounded interesting. Right. Um, you know, I do think people sometimes think, oh, government's the, like the cushy answer in a way. And I think it totally works for some people. But if you have that kind of personality trait, it can end up being a kind of stifling environment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting you mentioned that. I actually took the Foreign Service Officers exam and ended up like in the final interviews in San Francisco. Oh, nice. That didn't, that, didn't, that didn't come through, which was probably a blessing in the end. <laughs> yeah, I feel like those things worked out. Like I also didn't, you know, make it through the process at, having started it twice. And, and I was disappointed, but, it, you know, these, you know, these little disappointments on the way sometimes are just redirecting you in a good way. I think. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I'm one of those, like, I have no regrets. Like I think everything happens for a reason. And, and we, we learn from everything. Yeah. So when in those 10 years, did you start to think that a, the job wasn't for you or B just law in general, wasn't for you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't say that I ever distinctly separated out whether it was the law or whether it was that particular job that wasn't for me. I know I was unhappy at the outset. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I remember, well, I sat for the foreign service exam after I'd already started practicing law because I wanted to do something different. Um, Mm -hmm. And And it sounded like you weren't like, overly attached to the idea of practicing law even from the get-go right right yeah Yeah, absolutely um and and i and then i also recall early on researching you know like alternative law careers and looking into what would it take to like become a writer how do i even get there or what about consulting but i just couldn't connect the dots on what that looked like i think i could say deep down i felt like there was just something that wasn't the right fit between you know, what I was meant to do and what I was doing. And then, you know, on the other side of that coin, it's just the frustration of working for the government. And then, yeah. you know, as I got further along too, um, I developed a lot of anxiety and depression, which I think it was already there, but yeah. it kind of came to a head um, the longer I practiced. And I think I started to, to really see that it was having a detrimental effect on my health and yeah. mental well-being as well. Yeah. I think that's such an important point too, that it's not just these crazy big law jobs that can trigger that. Like if you're just fundamentally in the wrong place, it can trigger that. Right. Right. Well, and and even if you're not in big law, um, you know, there's still a lot of pressures. Um, You know, you always have somebody that is unhappy with you, whether it's opposing counsel or your client or your boss or the judge, you know, and, and all of these expectations. And I think, for those of us who take our fiduciary responsibility um, as counsel very seriously, you're taking that home with you every night and, you know, yeah. pulling things over in your head at three o'clock in the morning about, oh, should I have made this argument or 
yeah you know, how am i going to negotiate this settlement and, yeah right all the right. things yeah so what did you start to think about then for next steps right you know it kind of just um everything just coalesced into um a pinnacle turning point. Um, I had gone through a divorce and then gotten remarried. Um, and my husband, at the time, or my current husband, my new husband, he was retiring from the Air Force, and we were trying to figure out what his next career steps would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also um, had a son, and so I was able to work out for the first year that I had my son temporary work from home, part-time work um, exemption from mm-hmm. the no- normal work requirements. And I ended up working about like 30 hours a week. And I probably spent half to two thirds of that time at home. And I came to the office when I needed to. Yeah. And then, and then I had a, a nanny that would help me with my kiddo. Anyways, I tried to work that into like a pilot program to make it a permanent arrangement. And I had the support of my immediate supervisors because interestingly, I found that I was actually way more productive working 30 hours a week part-time. Isn't that interesting? Than yeah. working, you know, full-time in an office. And Which I feel like so many people have learned over the last year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> about yeah, themselves. Totally. And, yeah, and it's really sad when I think back to it because ultimately, uh, you know, my headquarters said no. Um, you know, and some former had they gave me yeah. some other options that were just like, you know, laughable. Um, anyway, so I thought, you know, I'm done. This is this is silly. And I think it goes with that thinking out of the box to kind of mindset of if I can get my work done in less time at a different location, then what does it matter? Um, and, yeah. And, and, you know, and I had I had a kid out. I think when you have kids that changes your priorities and your perspective as well. And so I really wanted to be available to my son um, and to my family. Yeah. And so I decided that, um, you know, it might be time to move on to something else. And then it, it, coincidentally, at the same time, my husband got this job offer in another state. We were in Arizona at the time and the new job was in North Carolina. So we decided to move and I just decided to take some time off um, yeah. and take um, raise my son. Uh, I knew we wouldn't be probably in North Carolina for a long time and I didn't want to have to mess with getting rebarred and finding a new right. Right. So, yeah. It is still crazy to me how immobile <laughs> the practice of law is in this day and age for, for bar reasons, right? Yes. It's just like, you know. It's, you know, it's maddening. And here's the thing I don't understand is that there are all these people out there working these remote council jobs. Yeah. And I'm not, and I don't quite, or, or they, they have some kind of an online business, online-based business, and I don't quite understand how they get around the ULP laws practicing outside of their jurisdiction. I know it's very nuanced in how you go about that, but yeah, I, Although I always felt like that because I did corporate law and I mean, really everything was just Delaware law, right? And I was right. not barred in Delaware. <laughs> so yeah. I guess I just kind of got used to that, that idea that it was like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in now, some ways, I mean, uh, you know, going to court to represent someone obviously would be a, yeah. a different situation, but yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see, uh, I think perhaps, you know, 
a reckoning is around the corner with uh, yeah. to a, a global um, workforce. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm so interested to see sort of how, I mean, how the law profession, but also just everything evolves from here, mm-hmm. um, from that front. So. So it makes sense that you're in North Carolina. You're like, I'm not going to go through all these hoops. I have, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And I'm taking some time off to raise my, my son. So, so how long then was that until you decided, okay, it's time for the next thing? Yeah. You know, I was never made to be a stay at home mom. (laughs) (laughs) I did what I had to, had to, I mean, I, I adore my son and, I love being available to him um, and spending time with him, but you know, yeah. it's always been important for me to have my own thing and to use my, my brain and my talents and, and to be of service to others. So, um, yeah, I was pretty unhappy that first year that I took off of working, um, and I started to look for other things that I might be able to do on a part-time basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I eventually settled on trying out grant writing. Hmm. And how, did, how did you come to that? Oh, you know, I'm kind of one of these logical spreadsheet people. And mm-hmm. so I think I just started thinking about what are all the things that I could do that would utilize the same skill sets and experience that, that I had in practicing law. And I, I'm a good writer. I, it's always been one of my strengths. Um, and so I thought, well, take a stab at grant writing. So I ended up um, volunteering for an organization and, you know, within a few months, they ended up asking me to run board in a paid part-time capacity. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's a great lesson right there, right? It's yeah. <laughs> just like, think of something, volunteer, and it yeah. can, you know, evolve from there. Yeah. Totally. Or at least, you know, you get the experience and you develop you know, a reference and work samples. So, or you, or you learn, you don't like it, which is also valuable. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I did that and, um, ended up bringing on some other grant writing clients and, um, did that in a very part-time capacity for about the next three or four years, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting because I, I do think people forget that there's these middle grounds, part-time things that you can do sort of, you know, that you don't have to be like, okay, now is the time I have to go whole hog into my next career is that you, right. can, you can feel it out a little bit. Totally. Yeah. 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 And I did a lot of volunteer work in that, that time as well. You know, it's, it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, a paid climbing the ladder position right. to um you know have things that make you feel like you're utilizing your skills and abilities and doing good yeah right and then you get to sort of see what you like without you know changing jobs every five minutes yeah yeah so um so where did where did things go from there for you right so um yeah i continued doing the grant writing thing and I've had conversations with other other folks and lawyers in particular that are interested in grant writing. And I don't know, I, I kind of paint a less than rosy picture of, <laughs> of what that looks like. Although 
I've had recent conversations too that they proved me wrong. But I, I just was frustrated with, um, you know, the types of clients I was working with because ultimately I wanted to uh, be my own boss. I didn't want to be working for somebody else. And I found that most of the organization that organizations that were working for a freelance grant, looking for a freelance grant writer were mm -hmm. um, not necessarily grant ready. And, hmm. um, and so, yeah, you can write a wonderful grant, but if the organization isn't grant ready, they don't have a solid, you know, business structure, plan, operations, you know, leadership in place, then that comes through. Um, yeah. you, you can't hide that and, and you're not, and they're not going to be competitive for grants. And so I tried to work, you know, with, with some different clients on that. And, um, some of them get it. A lot of them don't, but it's one thing to want to do good and change the world, but it's another thing to run your nonprofit like a business um, because ultimately that's what you need to do if you're going to be successful and carry out your mission. Right, um, right. So, yeah, I, I, got, I got frustrated with that. And then, um, you know, I think the other uh, aspect there was my earning potential. Um, working in the nonprofit world, obviously, is going to be less lucrative than working for fortune 500 companies right. um, and i kind of had this light bulb moment where my husband's a pilot and he's done like defense contracting work and then he was aerial firefighting at the time and so he's always been in these flying positions that are inherently dangerous yeah and at that point i'd been out out of practice um i think for five or six years and i thought well if something happens to him tomorrow, what can I do that I can right. ramp up quickly that would provide a, a livable income for me and my son? Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like a Capricorn. I'm totally responsible and morbid and logical. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm also a Capricorn, but I have other things going on in my chart that make me a little less Capricorn-y. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes any sense, but it's yeah. still there. So I get it. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'll go for a bike ride with my husband and, and he'll be like, what are you thinking about? And I'm like, I'm thinking about how many months of, you know, how many months can I live off of? the current savings that we have and if both of us lost our jobs tomorrow or if you died tomorrow and like you know like when I pay off the house first you know when I right when right I in, right in our, just some light you know yeah. Saturday thoughts yeah. you know we do things with Marie um anyways so yeah I just I had this just realization that like I needed to pivot what I was doing to create something that it could be more lucrative and would be sustainable, but also that I can do on a very flexible part-time basis. Yeah, so at that point, I decided to, you know, completely pivot the type of writing I was doing from grant writing to content writing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and had you just completely at that point said, uh, did you consider going back to practice? Because, you know, one thing it has going for it is mm -hmm. some level or at least perceived stability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I had I had um, interviewed for a job mm -hmm. that uh, I think if I had followed through and all likelihood I would have gotten it, but it required me to have a very set schedule, mm -hmm. um, and that just was not something that was going to work well with our family. I would have had to, you know, put my son in daycare or extended care, and that wasn't something that I wanted to do at that point. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. So um, yeah, I got serious about kind of re rethinking my writing business and um, gosh, I, I think I just started researching like, you know, what are the other types of writing out there and what sounds like it would be a good fit for me. And yeah. Landed on content writing. So, um, you know, things like articles um, or newsletters uh, that businesses put out there to educate and build trust and connection with their target audience. Did, was there like a substantive area or an industry that right. you sort of targeted? Yeah. Um, so at first I, I just chose the, you know, the obvious thing, which was law. Right, right. <laughs> so I, I, I wrote for law firms. I wrote articles for their blogs. Um, and then as I got more into that, um, branched out into other areas. And um, right now I mostly work in compliance and risk management and law um, writing content, um, articles, thought leadership type of pieces, um, case studies, white papers, newsletters. Yeah. Huh. And do you enjoy that? I do. I mean, there's certain things that are less fun than others. And yeah. there's some projects that are more tedious than others. I think what I, what I realized throughout all of this is that I really dig um, writing about like the law and breaking it down. So figuring out what all of the laws and rules and regulations and processes are going into agencies, um, yeah. you know, warehouse, their knowledge bank and, you know, figuring out what does this really look like in real life? Um, yeah. Well, it's interesting because so many lawyers will tell you that they love the research and writing part of it. Mm -hmm. Not me. I hated the research and writing part of it, but, mm -hmm. but a lot of people I think are like that and, and sort of like the academic side of it, right. but actually practicing law wasn't the right fit. Right. Um, but it sounds like if that is sort of really something that you thrive in, that you, you get to sort of scratch those itches in, in this kind of work. Yeah, totally. I do. Yeah. And I get to talk to interesting people with interesting mm -hmm. experiences. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm learning something every day. Yeah. So, you know, that checks off that box of why I originally went to law school in the first place. Right. Right. So from the sort of perspective of building a business you know like you'd had this grant writing sort of experience but how did you go about getting clients in this sort of arena where you didn't have any experience yet right right yeah so I actually started on um, a platform called Upwork which mm -hmm. um, basically connects freelancers with businesses who are looking for help um, and, and it's not just writing it, it can be anything from their actually people that advertise needing legal help um, or yeah. technical help. Like graphic design. Yeah, graphic design to, yeah. runs the gamut. Yeah. Yeah. So I started on, on there and took a couple of really ridiculously low paying gigs just to kind of get myself <laughs> yeah. established on the platform and then get some good reviews and some work samples. Yeah. Um, and then I actually, I, I, I just uh, created some work samples on my own and like, based on old businesses or whatnot that I've worked with and just came up with something that nobody ever used, but I could at least show it as a sample. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I started pitching these gigs on Upwork and gradually built my reputation there, raised my rates and, yeah. um, you know, worked my way into uh, a few more clients. And um, from there, I realized I needed to get smarter on using LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and then I just started to kind of get to this point after a couple of years that the referrals kind of start to snowball and then the work just kind of starts to come to you without having to do so much effort, so much effort into pitching um, and applying for different gigs. Right, right. You know, I just, I think it's interesting because I think people often are kind of like, well, you know, I might think about that, but how would I do it? And, you know, one thing that that makes me think is you could do that while still in your current job, right? Like you could totally. do it on the side and say, and explore whether that was something you enjoyed and, or if it is like build it up before you leave, if sort of a gap in, in income is a, a big problem for you, that's the sort of thing that you can do, um, you know, a, as a bridge, Right, absolutely. And that's one of the things I, I love about freelance writing is that, like, you can test it out before you leave the law very easily. Yeah. I mean, if you have even five, five to ten hours a week that you could devote to doing that between pitching gigs, um, developing a, your portfolio, and then actually working on your client work. And, you know, that, and that accomplishes two things for you. Number one, it, it helps you build your book of business with your side hustle so you could eventually grow it into your full-time hustle. Right. It allows you to experiment and make sure that that's something you want to do, but it also gives you another source of income so you can start plussing up your savings, which really eases, you know, that sticker shock of leaving a high-ticket, you know, big law job. Right. And, and I'm really passionate about this, you know, my husband and I both came out of divorces that kind of like cleaned us out. And yeah. we've been very intentional in our financial lives, but, you know, planning and saving. And I think one of the things that has made freelancing sustainable for me is that we have a significant um, emergency fund set aside. So, you know, like if tomorrow I couldn't work for a year, like I could, uh, we'd be fine. We could pay all of our bills and, you know, not skip a beat. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. I, so that's one of the things that I, you know, I tell other people that are considering like a career in freelancing is, you know, start doing it on the side and start taking all that money and putting it away into your rainy day fund and keep building your rainy day fund and evaluate your expenses and what you really need, um, you know, to be able to live. Um, yeah. so, so that gives you a little more. Uh, comfort and security in the ups and downs that inevitably come with freelancing. Um, right. You know, I think people will just eliminate certain things as a possibility, like that's not realistic or, you know, it's too risky because I would just have to like quit my job and then start that from scratch. And mm -hmm. I just hope people hear that there, there are ways to kind of prepare and transition that take some level of the risk of freelance or in any kind of, you know, starting your own business, you know, it's not no risk, but you, you can mitigate those risks um, with some of these, these techniques. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think another interesting thing that I've realized over the years is, um, you know, how many things you think you can't live without, but they're actually just, they're crutches that, um, 
that you spend money on these things to to try and find the happiness because underlying it all you're unhappy in your work and, and other aspects of your life um, yeah so you know I, I remember when I used to practice law like my squirt when they love shoes and purses <laughs> and get massages <laughs> you're not alone <laughs> yeah, and, and like but like when I stopped practicing law and you know gave up all that stress that went along with it I never I didn't feel anymore like I had to treat myself because you know I'm working hard and I'm stressed out like that just went away Right, and, but right. Then, you know, I look at we made a, a move. My family made a move a few years ago, and before that, you know, we'd always been in places that were not quite the right fit for the life that we were wanting to live. Mm-hmm. So we splurged by going out for like expensive meals all the time. It's like you know, date night was like the highlight of the week. Yeah, we spent a lot of money like on yeah. good food and good wine. And now we live in a place in, in the community that it's just like the right fit for us. And we're so happy here. And, you know, we're happy cooking at home or ordering a pizza and, you know, having a glass of wine on the porch. We don't have to go spend hundreds of dollars on some fancy meal. Yeah. Um, because yeah. we've created the life that is really, um, you know, right and sustainable for us. Yeah. I love that. I love that whole idea. I talk about this a lot of like, designing not just the job but the whole life that you want and mm-hmm. what work fits into that life that you want to live mm-hmm. totally. um you know like moving to the place you want to live I, I interviewed somebody else who had been in chicago kind of grinding grinding he's like he and his family just wanted to move up to like northern michigan and live there right mm-hmm. now that's not where i would move because that's so cold <laughs> I moved to San Diego, so I went like completely in the other direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I hear you because I'm like I I I get to live the now I get to be outside year round. I get to go hiking. I get to do like paddle boarding. All these things that like they don't totally. they're not expensive, but they're they weren't really available to me in my previous life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. We just got back from like a week of camping, and then. You know, we, we had a long weekend of camping over the 4th of July as well. So I think I've worked like maybe a third of, you know, the last three weeks, on, you know, actually done in legitimate work. And I'm like, this, this <laughs> I've been is- a little bit of a hiatus myself. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is exactly what I want. I want to be yeah. able to take, go off grid for like a couple of weeks in the summer and not stress about it. Exactly. Um, and, and that, you know, maybe I'm not like making you know, a super salary and I'm not in the press and I don't have all these accolades, but I'm, you know, like, this is what I want and this is the lifestyle that I want. And, you know, I actually, I had an interesting conversation. I've been working with a business coach, um, you know, to kind of take my business to the next level. And one yeah. of the key insights that he helped me come away with is, yeah. And I think this is especially true for us as lawyers. A lot of us are type A personalities, so we feel like we have to constantly be achieving, doing, going for the next best thing and climbing the ladder, whatever it is we decide. Especially if you're a Capricorn. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, inherently, like, my uh, my brain is like, okay, well, what's next for me? Like, am I going to build an agency? Am I, you know, going to do this or that? And when we started talking, when I started talking to my coach, and he's like, well, if you want to do an agency, that's a lot of work and you're on the hook. And if you're talking about wanting to be off the grid and being able to only work 
15 hours a week, right. that's probably not in alignment. And I, it, it just hit me like a, a rock that like, I have all these yeah. ideas of where I want to grow this business, but maybe that's not what I really want to do to be fulfilled. What I want is to be able to enjoy the outdoors, the wonderful outdoors that I live in and to have time with my family and my friends Yeah, um, and, and do other things. So, it, you know, I think it's easy to fall into to the trap of thinking that we need to do do the next biggest, better, greater thing, but that's not at least what's going to make you happy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the beauty of creating your own business is that you're the person that gets to make those calls. Mm-hmm. And it can still be hard because our brains mess with us. Right? Right. But but ultimately, if you do the work of keeping yourself aligned, you you get to design it as opposed to, to it being imposed on you. Totally. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm with you. I just now that I've gone that route, I'm just like, well, yeah. Like this is, <laughs> I just, you know, I can't imagine going back. Yeah, I know. Do you feel that way? Or are you just like, mm, do you ever think about like, oh, I might like take a job again or? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely not. I mean, yeah. I'll tell you, we live in Bend, Oregon. Nice. And we are like a mile and a half from the mountain biking trails and 30 minutes from the ski resort. And, you know, we'll literally, um, drop my kid off at school and in non-pandemic years yeah. and like go straight to the, the ski slopes in the winter and yep. ski um and then maybe I come back and I work for a few hours same thing like in the summertime I will work for a couple hours then go on a mountain bike ride and then you know come back and maybe get in another hour of work I love having that flexibility and yeah um you know again i just for me relationships and family are so important and my health is so important i've had to learn that lesson the hard way this last year i I was working way too much and my body made it abundantly clear that it is not want to be sitting at a desk for more than about 20 hours a week it's like yeah literally start to break down and um and and so yeah my health just has to come first so yeah absolutely it was funny. I asked, I'm running a, a group program right now and sort of was asking everyone to define their success and sort of how many hours of working at a desk that involved. And you saw someone's sheepishly go, can I say 30 hours? I was like, you can say whatever you want. Like success looks to you how mm-hmm. it looks to you, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> and, you know, defining it by your standards not by somebody else's yeah yeah well you know and it's interesting too in my freelance work i've found that there really is this magic number of like if i get to where i'm working beyond 15 to 20 hours a week like i it becomes a burden and i resent it if i'm only working like about 15 hours like i really look forward to it it's like just the right balance of intellectual stimulation and you know sitting at the desk and being productive versus all the other things that balance out my life. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Totally agree. (laughs) So um, I just want to wrap up, but if there's sort of one piece of advice you could give to someone who's sort of in a law job that they don't love and they are trying to figure out what to do, what would you tell them? Yeah. Um, First of all, just like get rid of the, dump the imposter syndrome. So many of us have it, and I feel like that kept me from even at a 
before law school and in my undergrad career, I feel like I constantly doubted myself on what I could achieve. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that holds so many people back. They feel like, oh, well, why would anybody hire me to do this or that? Um, I have a law degree and all I know how to do is practice law. It's like, no, you have all yeah. these other skills and abilities and experiences that you've developed and you are immensely capable. And there are a bunch of other people out there that are doing this very badly and getting paid well to do it badly. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can certainly do a better job than them and feel good about what you're doing. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that would be one key thing that I would yeah. say. And then I think the other would be to, um, you know, talk to people, get perspective, um, whether that's a, a mentor or just doing some networking in different business groups or maybe hiring a coach. Um, I know there's yeah. a ton of people out there now. There's this whole industry developed around <laughs> helping people leave the law. And there are a lot yep. of great coaches <laughs> out there that can help you do that. Yeah. Um, and, and so talk to somebody. I, that's been huge for me. Um, I've been working with a business coach for the last month and it's just really helped me zero in on some, some big insights, both in yeah. my business and just personally, um, you have to have that outside perspective to get out of your head. And especially when you're type A overthinker. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, Marie, thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Bye.